2: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. We get it going with an interesting day in the sports world. We bring in Barry Wilner, who for nearly 50 years has been with the Associated Press covering the NFL. Aaron Rodgers' trade to the Jets has been something that's been going on for just about two months. They finally got it done. And uh, the Jets give up Aaron Rodgers, uh, get Aaron Rodgers, plus the 15th pick, which they swap with Green Bay, and a a fifth-round pick as well. Packers get the 13th pick overall, second-round pick uh, this year, fifth-round pick, a conditional 2024 pick, which is the the curious one because it could be a a first-round pick if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps. Uh, Let me ask you first and foremost, the Jet fans are ecstatic over this. What are the Packer fans thinking about all of this?
1: they thinking, what do we have in Jordan Love? And that's going to be a huge question because no franchise other than the Patriots with Brady has been as solidified through this century as the Packers have, first with Brett Favre and then with Aaron Rodgers. And now there's a huge question behind center with Jordan Love. But clearly, there was no saving uh, the Packers and Rodgers' relationship. And I think the Packers made out pretty well on this deal, Howard. Well, they did. uh, And you look at what the Jets
2: are. Look, the Jets are a young team uh, at at the key positions in particular. Uh, Their wide receiver core, I mean, that wide receiver room is pretty intimidating. And then you factor in uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you get Garrett Wilson, you got Alan Lazar, former Packer. You got Hardman, former Kansas City Chief, who, by the way, uh, will be the wide receiver and the kick returner. Uh, So they got some explosivity. The two tight ends, uh, Conklin and and Uzoma, are very solid. And the running backs, uh, Brees Hall started out very well last year, got injured, and then we didn't see him anymore. So, I mean, we're going to find out, uh, you know, a lot about Brees Hall. But with uh, with Michael Carter behind him, I mean, the offensive weapons are plentiful.
1: Uh, well, absolutely, except we need to see what the offensive line is going to look like. Yes. And that, that's pretty important because, first of all, we know that Aaron Rodgers can create on his own and can certainly um, make plays from the pocket or outside the pocket. But he's going to need protection to get the ball to some of those, uh, those uh, guys. They're very deep at the skill positions, as you said, particularly if Brees Hall comes back healthy. And they've got a very nice defense. But Howard, they're going to have a tough schedule. They're in a tough division. Uh, Buffalo is going to be one of the favorites for the Super Bowl. And Miami, uh, which beat the Jets um, once last year, might have beaten them twice if they've been healthy, is also a formidable foe. So I don't think Jets fans should be over the moon here thinking this is a team ready to compete for Super Bowl. But they're certainly ready to break that uh, crazy slide out of the playoffs they've had for more than... Was it more than a dozen years? Uh, uh, the way I look at it, uh,
2: Barry, I, I I look at the schedule, and the schedule is not out yet. I look at the opponents; it's tough. I mean, they play the the, the Washington Commodores. they play the Cleveland Browns, the Dallas Cowboys, the Denver Broncos, Las Vegas, uh, the Giants. Uh, even though they'll be the Giants will be the home team, um, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chargers, the Philadelphia Eagles the um, Houston Texans and the Atlanta Falcons, and of course, six games within the division against the likes of Buffalo, Miami, who's significantly better, and the Wingland who's had their number.
1: Well, yeah, they've certainly had their number, and that's been true through uh, Belichick's entire reign up there. Yeah, it's a very tough schedule. I think what Jets fans need to uh, recognize are two things. Number one, they're going to see their team a lot on national TV. And that's got to be kind of exciting for them. Of course, they've been one of the worst teams in night games uh, for almost a uh, decade or more. And then the other thing is just concentrate on maybe getting this team in the playoffs. And Rodgers is capable of doing that. Um, But, Howard, I want to ask you one question on this. This should be at least a two-year deal for the Jets and Rodgers, a two-year marriage. But that compensation, that um, uh, pick that can change from a – uh, two to a one if Rodgers plays 65% of snaps, which he sure, certainly should do if healthy. That's a real coup for Green Bay. And, and I think that that was probably what held up this um, trade, that that kind of um, a conditional pick. I don't think the Jets really wanted to endanger number one next year, and now they have.
2: Well, here's the other thing, too. The Jets are playing for now. Uh, they're not playing for three years down the road. They're playing for now, To I mean, they're... They, they haven't been to the, to the playoffs in 12 years. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, they can be patient. You know, they can play for two years from now, three years from now, with the emergence of love. The Jets can't. They're playing for now. Their fan base is screaming, we want to see a playoff team now.
1: Yeah, and they may, they may be getting that with this quarterback. They certainly didn't look like they were going to get it with um, a guy like Zach Wilson. Um, and you know what, there's a lot of teams that are playing for now in this league and the jets have put themselves in that position. And there's one other thing that works with the jets here is that they're always the number two team in New York. And that bothers Woody Johnson, the owner. Um, and unless the jets go to a super bowl, they're not going to supersede the giants who are a team on the rise. So I think that that, has, that played into some of this move as well. We can both
2: agree that Aaron Rodgers, at least in my opinion, he's changed over the last couple of years about his his persona. Uh, Let's just say he's a little out there. (laughs) okay? Uh, but, you know, he's not the mentoring type. He hasn't been. So, I mean, if we're looking for Zach Wilson to be mentored by this guy, look, they have a history, although brief. So I think he, he can look up to him, obviously. But. If the Jets are looking for Aaron Rodgers to be a mentor, uh, they really haven't done their homework.
1: Yeah, well, Brett Favre was the same way. And um, I don't think the Jets could have just given up yet on Zach Wilson. So I think he needs to be the backup. I think financially they can't afford to have an expensive backup quarterback either because they're going to be up against the salary cap with uh, Roger's salary and some of the other moves they've made. So it makes sense that Wilson will be the number two guy we'll see how much Aaron Rodgers will rub off on Zach Wilson.
2: Hey, help me out with this. The financial part of this, he's due, Rodgers is due like $59 million. Uh, Can they amortize that over a period of years? What do you know about this phase of this trade?
1: Yeah, the the Jets don't get hit too hard this season with the salary, the base salary that Rodgers is going to get. I don't know the number. I I think it might be in the $12 range. However, uh, the Packers get hit really hard because um, they're assuming a bunch of, of what he's owed. I think the Jets may redo the salary, um, uh, the, I'm sorry, the, the full deal with Rodgers so they can extend some of this damage they're going to get down the road into other years. But for this year, it's an okay deal for the Jets. Buffalo, still the best team in the division, right? Yeah, I think Buffalo is one of the two or three best teams in the AFC, which is basically saying they're one of the two or three best teams in the league. Uh, throw the Eagles in there as well, probably. But, you know, between Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati, it's hard to divide any of those teams. Well, you throw in the
2: Chargers. Uh, Miami is very much improved. Uh, so the AFC, if you look between the two conferences, the AFC is the most com- more competitive.
1: Well, not only that, the AFC has the best quarterbacks. Right. You go down the list and you know, if you're going to list your top 10 quarterbacks in the league, you might get two from the NFC and eight from the AFC. So that, that does have an effect. And, um, I'm not, I'm not big on the charges. Uh, I, there's just something with that team that doesn't excite me. Uh, but I do think that you know Pittsburgh is going to be a factor in the playoff race. If they ever work out things with Lamar Jackson, Baltimore should be a factor. As you mentioned, Miami should be, um, The AFC to me is uh, is much more loaded than the NFC.
2: Yeah, you could throw in Cincinnati into that mixture as well.
1: Well, I think Cincinnati has to be one of the three favorites. So, like I said before, along with Kansas City and uh, Buffalo, and what's one of those reasons? The three quarterbacks. Well,
2: yeah. uh, Look, you know, we're we're taking the cart before the horse, maybe, but the bottom line here is that Jet fans have a reason to be excited. Uh, This is probably since. We'll go back to Joe Namath. This is the most experienced quarterback they've ever had behind center right now. Uh, And it's odd. Joe Namath has said, God, you want to wear number 12? Go ahead and do it. But he's apparently not. He's going to wear number eight from
1: his college days. Yeah, that seems to be what uh, Rodgers has decided. Yeah, I mean, they made the same move back um, when they got Brett Favre. And actually, Howard, that was working out pretty well until Favre got hurt. Uh, and hurt his shoulder and couldn't throw anymore. I think the Jets were eating three when uh he got hurt and they wanted to finish in nine and seven and not making the playoffs. Um nine wins will not do for the for the Jets right. fans this year. Right. Um, this they're gonna be looking for an 11 or 12 win season, uh, even with that schedule. So there's gonna be some pressure. But one thing about Rogers, I don't think outside pressure bothers him.
2: No, I would agree. Uh I think he's a guy that's very much into his own thoughts. Uh, let's face it. You know, you start looking at before jet fans go cuckoo about you know <laughs> we're going to the Super Bowl. Let's remind everybody that Aaron Rodgers has only been to what one, right, right, and he won one Super Bowl. That's it. So it's not look. You got to factor in everybody else too. I understand that, but when you look at the personnel, I've already gone over the wide receivers and running backs and tight ends. You look at that defense.
1: It's pretty impressive. Well, yeah, and it's young in most spots. I mean, C.J. Mosley's not that young, but guys like Quinan Williams and Sauce Gardner, who was the rookie of the year last year, and some people thought was the best cornerback in the league uh, in total. Um, if the Jets have the pass rush that they need, that defensive secondary is pretty strong. Um, and they, they were they were good last year. Uh, the, the fact that they faded down the stretch had not a lot to do with their defense. It had to do with an offense that couldn't go anywhere.
2: Well, it would have been interesting to see had Brees, Brees Hall not gotten hurt, you know, where they would have gone because he showed that he was an outstanding back. Uh, you know, he had a couple of really big games, but how much pressure is there on Robert Sala?
1: I think he's okay uh, for this year because bringing in Rogers and, and, it's, it's going to change uh, the dynamics a little bit of the offense, and I think Sal is a good coach. I, I think um, he got uh, a lot out of the defense last year. Uh, the offense has to uh, obviously turn things around. I think that um, even if they would have win ten games and not make the playoffs, I think Sal is fine. If they go six and eleven, then he's in big trouble. Remember, Woody Johnson is not a patient owner.
2: No, I've been around Woody uh, when I was broadcasting the the Jets games. And and I saw that. Uh, That's pretty. That's interesting. I had a conversation with Bill Parcells about three or four days ago, and uh, the, the, the trade had not been consummated at that point. But I asked him what he thought. You bring a veteran quarterback with the resume of an Aaron Rodgers to New York. And I said, you know, Bill, you grew up in New Jersey. You understand what the, what it's like to be in New York. Is it going to have an impact on Aaron Rodgers at all? He goes, no, I don't think so. He says, I think I think that uh, at, at this stage of his life,
1: he's not going to be surprised by anything. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, if anybody knows what it's like playing in New York, it's a guy like Parcells who coached there for both teams, was successful with both teams, and has tremendous insight into players' psyches. Um, I don't know that I, I can think of too many coaches who are better at knowing how to push the right buttons with players. So if he says that about Rodgers, I think he's right.
2: Now, having been around that guy, uh, look, 98 in particular stands out. Uh, for my money, and it's just an observation. I thought the Jets had the best team uh, to go into those playoffs and into the final four teams. Uh, but... And they go into Denver, and they've got a 10-0 lead in that game. And then they started turning the ball over uh, and lose to the Denver Broncos. And then John Elway goes on and wins the Super Bowl. But I remember walking into the Jet locker room after that loss, and I had never seen Parcells show any emotion. But there were tears in his eyes. And he said to me, my own guys, my own guys betrayed me. By turning the ball over. Because that was the one thing that drove him up a wall.
1: (laughs) Well, I remember one of the biggest plays in that game was uh, Ed McCaffrey catching a long touchdown pass where he got behind Victor Green, the safety, who was one of Parcell's guys, one of his favorites. And that, that was probably the biggest play in the second half of that game. I agree with you, Howard. Had the Jets won that game, I don't see any way Atlanta would have beaten them in the Super Bowl, just as Atlanta couldn't handle Denver in that Super Bowl.
2: Well, Testaverde had a career year, if you remember. Curtis Martin, I think, led the league in rushing. Their defense, uh, you know, you bring in uh, Brian Cox to help that defense. Being around that guy was a trip. I can (laughs) tell you, Barry. You, You talk to him in the locker room after a game. He was fun. But he motivated that team. He motivated that team. If you remember, they played, and I'm trying to remember the game, they were down uh in a game i think it was to buffalo during the season and they came roaring back and he got in testaverde's face on the sideline you could see it he said what did i tell you what did i tell you <laughs> I, I said to testaverde after the game what was that conversation he says all i know is that he's scared the hell out of me
1: <laughs> well i'll tell you what aaron Rodgers will get in the face of guys on both offense and defense if he thinks it's needed is he that kind of, you won't see him on the sidelines
2: rapping with anybody, will you?
1: Oh, no, you do. Yeah, do you? he absolutely does. He'll, he'll go, and especially if a uh, receiver runs the wrong route, um, he'll get in their faces. And, um, uh, you know, the, he had receivers like Devontae Adams, which never who never ran the wrong route. But um, you saw that last year, too. You started even the year before, that there were some issues. Um, but that's a leadership thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. Just like Brian Cox was... Being a leader and what he was doing in that episode, you talk about. Do you
2: think that the Jets are done with their roster, or do you think there's somebody else out there they may have an interest in?
1: Well, money wise, I don't think they can do much. I'm not sure there's unless they can get a veteran on a uh, you know chief salary, the lowest salary they can bring him in on. I don't see that, and they just re-signed the center McGovern. So right. no, I don't, I don't, I don't see the Jets making any. Big personnel moves now. They may even have to let somebody go to make sure they're under the salary cap because, remember, they need to have money to sign rookies.
2: Well, also, now they have, they have flip-flop picks with the Packers. They picked 15th now. When they were at 13, uh, conventional wisdom had them picking an offensive lineman, and I don't think that's changed. I think at 15, they're still going to go after an offensive lineman.
1: Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. that that's their biggest need. Uh, you know, unless Unless somebody falls to them, who's a, an incredible pass rusher, let's say, and that's not likely to happen this draft. Um, I would think they'll take, and there's enough offensive linemen in this first round that they're not going to be reaching to make that pick. Um, So moving from 13 to 15 is not a big deal.
2: Yeah, no, I would agree. He's a uh, Barry Wilner of AP. I, I, let me just ask you this before I let you go. You get uh, Aaron Rodgers... Look, I worked in Milwaukee. I know what that sports marketplace is all about. The Packers are everything. The Bucs are somewhere down the road, but Green Bay Packers are everything in the state of Wisconsin. He has been uh, the charm child for all these years in Green Bay. Nobody would dare write anything negative about him, even after a loss. New York's a different story. He gets uh, criticized after a game. How's he going to react?
1: I think it's going to inspire him even more. I think he likes the idea that people doubt him at times. And, and he, well, he's won, you know, four MVPs. And some of those have come where he's been doubted and the the Packers have been doubted. Uh, But yes, the media attention is a lot different. The Jets are not beloved in New York, the way the Packers are in Wisconsin. At the AP, we would always say the biggest story that happens in Wisconsin is whatever the Packers do. Hmm. And that don't just mean it's sports. And with the Jets, really, they're behind the Giants, they're behind the Yankees, they're probably behind the Mets. Um, so when you get to September, when those baseball teams are in the pennant drive and you have the Giants around, the Jets are still like the fourth team. So it's not quite the same dynamic as it was in Green Bay.
2: Well, you look at what's going on right now. Yeah, the Knicks are still in the playoffs. The Nets were recently ousted. But the Rangers are in. The, Devils, the Rangers and Devils are playing each other. The Islanders in the playoffs. So New York has had a plethora of playoff teams. And now you get, uh, everybody's excited about the Jets. The Giants have improved. Uh, it's a good time to be an athlete in New York.
1: Well, Al, you, you just listed all of those. If you go back to last baseball season, all of the pro New York teams, including the two soccer teams, have made the playoffs except the Jets. Huh. So that's uh, that's what their, their fan base faces. Because... No matter where they turn, there's a more successful fan base, uh, at least recently. So, they're expecting Rogers to lift them into that group. Uh, he's supposed
2: Aaron Rodgers supposedly is coming to New Jersey tonight. Uh, after that,
1: uh, when do the OTA start? They've already begun. Oh, I believe that he um, has said he wants to participate in some, and he'll definitely be at the mini camp, which will be in June. The Jets need that. He needs to be in there learning who these guys are, the, the rest of the players need to learn him. Uh, even if you're throwing against air and there's no contact, things like that, the meetings are very important. And I, I think Rogers is going to be super dedicated toward that. And uh, I think you're going to find uh, that this team is going to blend pretty decently in the offseason. But let's see what happens once we hit September.
2: I think it's too foolish to even project what kind of a record they can have because we don't know a variety of things. We don't know the opponents. Uh, we know who the opponents are. We just don't know when. And that has a lot to do with, uh, with, with how things work out. But uh, you've already outlined if they're 11, 12 win team, uh, that's, that's fine. If they are not a playoff team below 500, that's a totally different story.
1: Yeah. And again, the, there won't be a lot of patience with this team if it winds up not being a contender. Uh, and like I, how it, it, very often I say, unless it's a weather thing, it doesn't matter that much where you, when you play teams, I think with the jets, it's important when they play some teams. Um, if they have a brutal schedule, the first month or so, where they're playing teams like Kansas city and, and uh, Philadelphia, as you mentioned, and uh, Buffalo, that's not a good thing for this team.
2: No, no question about it. Barry always enjoyed talking to you about the NFL uh, Obviously, this is a big story in New York with the arrival of Aaron Rodgers. It took uh, what forty seven days to get this thing done. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's that wore a lot of people's patience very thin.
1: Yeah, I think there were people around the league with other teams who were kind of laughing at how long it was taking to happen because they knew it would happen. And there's a lot there's many other teams just would not have dragged on the way it did.
2: Well, I, I'll take it even a step further. I mean, they were and maybe they're just rumors. You, you tell me if they're not. Uh, other teams apparently were trying to make a deal to get Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, and based on the Jets' history, you're just saying to yourself, you know this whole thing's going in the toilet, right? Based <laughs> on history. But fortunately for the Jet organization, it happened. He's going to be their quarterback. They should. Uh, the the um, anticipation is a lot of excitement right now around Jets fans, the Jet organization,
1: and New York sports fans in general. Yeah, and that's what they need to build off of. Forget about how this went down and what how long it took. You have the draft this week, and then you've got Aaron Rodgers in Florham Park, New Jersey. And uh, uh, that's what Jet fans should be thinking about. Appreciate your time, Barry. Thanks a million. You stay safe.
2: You too. Thanks, Howard. This is Barry Wilner Associated Press. Been covering the NFL for a long period of time. Uh, I'm going to switch gears a little bit and talk a little NBA Uh, because I watched, and there's always this conversation about Michael Jordan, LeBron James, who's the GOAT, who's the greatest of all time? Baloney. It's a stupid argument. Michael Jordan was the best player of his time. LeBron James is the best player of his time, okay? Period. But last night, we got to see two things that really stood out. LeBron James in a big spot And Jimmy Butler of Miami was unbelievable. A generational career, big game. Let's deal with LeBron first. LeBron scores a winning, uh, scores a tying basket in regulation. They're down two. He drives to the basket and lays it in high off the glass and it goes in. That ties the game with eight-tenths of a second remaining. Now, shame on the Memphis Grizzlies for not stopping LeBron James. He's the guy that was going to get the ball, either he or Anthony Davis. How do you let LeBron James drive to the basket? There were guys guarding shooters on the outside to LeBron's right, to Memphis's left. Leave those shooters and pick him up. What's the worst that could happen? One of those guys gets off a three? It's a low percentage shot. LeBron James driving to the basket is a much higher percentage shot. So he makes the layup, and they win the game in overtime. And LeBron puts up 22
0: points, 20 rebounds. I mean, vintage LeBron James in a big spot. A word about Dylan Brooks. Where were you? You got a big mouth.
2: You're calling LeBron James old and all that other crap and all that happy HS. <laughs> I'm not going to define what I mean by that where's Dylan Brooks? Where'd he go? Four for 11 last night? Nice job. You got to run your mouth. You better back it up. I look at Dylan Brooks in the same way I look at Draymond Green. I'm not going to discuss whether Draymond Green should have been suspended. That's not the issue. Steve Kerr defends Draymond Green because he has to. He's one of his players. He's one of his important players. But Dylan Brooks is nobody. He's done nothing. He's accomplished nothing. So who would pay attention to anybody running their mouth when he's got nothing? Anthony Davis played well. How about D'Angelo Russell knocking down a
0: couple of threes at a key spot late in the game? They needed that. But LeBron James took his team by the collar and dragged him into an
2: overtime session, which they controlled and won the game going away. So now here are the Lakers up three games to one with a chance to go
0: to Memphis and close it out. But even if they don't game six is back in LA. They're not losing two in a row to Memphis Mark it down. They're not Miami playing. Giannis comes back last night and he was a factor. Miami goes up three games to one after a 119-114 win over the Milwaukee Bucks. Butler scores 56 points. Every time he touched the ball in the fourth quarter, money. He was feeling it. You knew that every time he got the ball, he was going to put it up, and it was going down. Jimmy Butler had a great game, and Miami needed it. He lifted the heat up by their rear end and took them to the win. And now they're up three games to one. Going back to Milwaukee. Miami wins. I mean, you don't see an eight beat to one very often, but this is very likely to happen.
2: Golden State, a one-point win over Sacramento. Sacramento, nobody
0: seems to be paying attention to Sacramento. They finished third in the West, all right? They're a good team. But the Warriors are now 2-2 with Sacramento. It's anybody's game. It's anybody's
2: series. You got the Celtics. They now leave the Hawks 3-1. It's it's a foregone conclusion that Boston's going to beat Atlanta. And then you have the Knicks. They're ahead three games to one over Cleveland. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that Cleveland hasn't shown up. I'm watching the game the other night and for the last two games. I'm watching Cleveland walk the ball up the floor. I'm watching the Knicks run the ball up the floor. I'm watching the Knicks challenge the Cavs at every possible moment. I'm watching Cleveland playing pound it, pound it,
0: pound it, pound it, work the ball around the outside, maybe get up a three. And where's Donovan Mitchell? Not there. Darius Garland has had one big game. The Knicks are going to wind up
2: winning this series. And Cleveland's got a lot of thinking. Where did we let this thing go wrong? It looked like one team wanted to play and the other team was just trying to get through
0: the series. And it surprised me. It really does. I thought Cleveland was going past the Knicks into the next round. I didn't think they were going to the Eastern Finals at any point. But
2: the way Miami's playing right now, you may not see Milwaukee in the Eastern Finals. So the door is wide open. for Philadelphia, that's getting a lot of rest because they handled the Nets, the Nets with relative ease. And you got the
0: Boston Celtics. And Jalen Brown has finally taken off the mask. <laughs> and he's murder. And before
2: anybody at ESPN or all the guys on uh, the Keyshawn and Jay Will and Mac show, before they start adorning Jimmy Butler as the best two guard in the league, let me remind you of a guy named Jalen
0: Brown. Let me remind you of DeMar DeRozan. Let me remind you of Steph Curry.
2: They got him listed, okay. They got him listed as a two-guard. He's probably more of a point right now. But Jimmy Butler has had one monster game that I can remember.
0: And I'm not putting down Jimmy Butler. He's a very good player, but he's not an elite player. Really, he's not. I credit what Miami is doing to their coach. I think Spolster is a terrific coach. Matter of fact, I'll even go so far as to say he's a great coach. He gets it done. Maybe was not as much as other people, but he gets it done. I think Miami has a very good chance of going to the Eastern Final. Philadelphia, they go as far as Joel Embiid will take them. James Harden is a really good player. James Harden uh, is not what he was. Joel Embiid gives you the same grief every single night. And I'll compare Joel Embiid and Yadis That, And I'm not going to blame the referees, but they get away with a lot more than most players. Yadis takes three steps often during the game, never gets called.
2: Joel B gets away with a lot of physical play, knocking over people,
0: no call. But if it works, so be it. Keep doing it. As for the Lakers, let's face it, the West is not as good as the East, top to bottom. The Lakers get out of this series with Memphis,
2: and right now they're up three to one you got to look at them as a team that you better be ready
0: to play. Because if LeBron's not getting it done, Anthony Davis is getting it done. Now, they have to have one or both to be successful. But D'Angelo Russell has proven he's for real. Reeves proves he's for real. Achimoro proved he's for real. So they've got the goods. We haven't seen Darvin Ham at a big spot yet. But I'll give them the benefit of the doubt.
2: I think that the Lakers are a team that you better be ready to play. Or they will
0: knock you off. They're a team to be feared. Like Miami is a team to be feared. But I think the Lakers more so. I think the Warriors are going to battle it out with Sacramento. I think it's going seven games. And whoever survives
2: after a seven-game series is going to wind up feeling the pain.
0: Denver, we haven't talked about Denver. Are they good enough to go to the Western Finals? Yes. But having said all of that, oh, yeah, we got Phoenix and the Clippers. I think Phoenix, which is up three games to one, they're there because the Clippers can't get their stars. Paul well, George misses games. Kawhi Leonard misses games. They've got an issue. The primetime players are rarely there in primetime. Phoenix gets, gets by
2: them, and well, they should. You think Kevin Durant went to the Phoenix Suns just to play some games? He's there to win a championship. Can he do it in the West? Can he come out of the West? Sure. Why not? I might pay, and I haven't done the brackets to figure out if it can happen. I would love to see
0: Phoenix and the Lakers play in the Western final. All right. I think it would be awesome. Imagine LeBron against Durant or LeBron and Davis against Durant. (laughs) The mere thought of that makes me laugh. Little frog in the throat. Excuse me for one second. It's water. Don't get excited. Generally, look, I've been involved with sports for a long time. And I'm going to
2: give you when I was and yeah, this back to then. I'm not going to
0: give you all of that crap. Every generation of sports athletes brings something to the table. And my answer to that is, could player X have played
2: back in the 80s in the NBA? Could LeBron James have played back in the 80s
0: in the NBA? Yeah. Anthony Davis? Yeah. Joel Embiid? Yeah. Harden? Yeah. Jason Tatum? Yes. Jalen Brown? Yes. Kevin Durant? Absolutely. Certain players can play no matter what the year. The ball hasn't changed. I mean, it's still like this. In football, could Gail Sayers have played today? Yes. Barry Sanders? No doubt. It's not about our generation was better. It was just your generation back then. But when you see certain things like, and look, I'm not going to discredit
2: John Morant. The guy is unbelievable what he can do. The body control he has, the ability to go to the basket with either hand, and he's dealing with a sore right hand right now, that he fell on again last night. But he has done some things to I make mean, you
0: wow. Even in defeat against the Lakers, he scored 46 points. He did his end. But please, I think it's up to the stars on teams to control that locker room. John Moran needs to go to Dylan Brooks and say, shut up. You're accomplishing nothing by playing the way you're playing.
2: Should he have been suspended for the the shot to the groin that he gave LeBron James? Yeah. They're saying it was an accident. I have my doubts. But that said, said, I don't want to belabor that. I think that what's going on right now in the NBA is very exciting. And for my money, Adam Silver is the most effective commissioner in sports today. He's got an
0: issue, he takes care of it. I don't get the same vibe from Roger Goodell or Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball. And oh, by the way, a side note, I don't get to watch it, but as an
2: Atlanta Braves fan and the blowout win they had last night over Miami, 11-0, they needed a win after getting beat by their
0: nemesis, the Houston Astros. Who just have Atlanta's number. We'll see what happens come September. (laughs) We'll see. It's going to be
2: interesting. I'm Howard David. I enjoy watching what's going on right now in the world of sports. I think the NBA is fun to watch right now.
0: Hopefully my Rangers can overcome the Devils. And pretty soon, pretty soon, I mean, we're almost in May. Baseball starts to go into high gear. We're seeing a lot of tremendous performances from Major League Baseball. Pro football teams are going to be going to camp. It's fun. It is
2: fun. But take it in stride, okay? And a word for you Jet fans.
0: Let's not go crazy. I know it's hard with the arrival of Aaron Rodgers. Just take things a little bit slow, and find out what's going on. The Jets are going to have a
2: very difficult schedule. But having said that, they've got the ammunition to succeed. Offensively now, they've had it defensively. Combination works. It's up to Robert Salah to get the
0: most out of this roster. And I think he'll do it. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. You stay safe.